Revelation chapter 11. While you're turning there, let me tell you where that we're at in the Word of God tonight. This passage is in reference to the tribulation period. Jesus has come, and from this church in the pulpit that I have preached from all of these years, I believe that God will snatch the church away and that we will be caught up together with him to meet the Lord, and we'll be with the Lord And if you feel like that we're going to be here in the tribulation, you and the Antichrist have a good time. I'm getting out of here. I'm headed out. Hallelujah. Praise God. Boy, I feel that. Do you? Glory to God. Trumpet's about to sound. But I think immediately there'll there'll be a number of events that will take place among the other events that occur when you get to chapter 11. The temple in Jerusalem will be rebuilt. The only problem is it will be rebuilt by a compromise of the Antichrist with religious, religious leaders of the Jews and with the religious leaders of the Islamic. And there on the Temple Mount, the temple will be rebuilt. And the Lord gives an instruction to John in chapter 11 and verse one concerning the tribulation temple. He said, and there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure. Rise and measure. Measure what? The temple of God, the altar, and them that worship therein. When you get to verse 19 of this same chapter, the temple of God was opened in heaven and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. This tribulation temple, God said to John, I want you to take this measuring rod And I want you to measure three things. Measure the house of God, measure the altar. Now the altar was just outside of the holy place. It was the first piece of furniture that you came to. And then after that you measure the temple of God and the altar of God, measure them that worship therein. He said measure with that rod. Well, this morning, you didn't realize, but I preached part one of this sermon on measuring the house of God. And that's what I dealt with this morning. There's other things that I could say, but I don't want to be repetitious in my preaching or in my thoughts, but sometimes you got to be measured. And that's what we dealt with today talking some about how that we as the Levites have to give accountability. And that, of course, was where the sermon came from. There were none of the sons. None were there. And how that they should have been there, but yet through fasting, they were finally given the precious metals 
and they said, there's coming a time when what's been weighed out to you, you'll give an account for it and you better make sure it's the same amount. And that's where I left you at this morning and bless God, I got a silver dollar out of it. Amen. And I've got it in my pocket tonight just as a reminder to take care of it. And we all are given something precious from God that we need to take care of. Not just, not just preachers, the people of God. But then he not only said to measure the temple. See, if a church doesn't measure themselves, you don't know which way you're going. And I wanna add this, everything wasn't right with this temple. When the heavens were open and the temple of God was seen, and what was occurring there is totally different from what you read in verse one. But he asked John to measure it. God wasn't measuring it. John was measuring the temple. And we need to measure the house of God. Can I tell you the first sign as a preacher that travels this country and goes into churches everywhere, can I tell you the first sign of a dying church? You don't want to know? Okay, we'll move on. They take the registry down. Why? Because then you make up any number you want to make up and you trust me on this. Preachers will lie. They don't want to face the reality. Sometimes you, gotta, you, you don't like looking at that, but that registry tells us where we're at. But God has another registry that tells us where we're at as well. And there's a time where that we have to measure ourselves to see, are we doing better? Are we doing worse? And really, that was my whole goal in the sermon this morning was for me to measure myself and say, God, am I better today than I was a year ago, 10 years ago, 35 years ago, 45 years ago that I started preaching the gospel? Lord, am I doing better for you today than I was back then. But then he said, measure the altar. Huh, that's a strange thing. He said, measure the altar. Now here's, this, here's what I want you to see from this, just a couple of things. I said this morning I wouldn't keep you long and I don't want to lie again tonight. But he said, measure the altar. God gave strict instructions for them concerning the altar and the size of the altar. And he gave instructions for everything that he wanted. He gave the pattern. He told Moses the size of the altar. He told him the size of the ark. God gave him a pattern. After he gave him a pattern for all the vessels, all of the furniture, the size of each one, what they were to do, the purpose of them, he looked to Moses and said, you, Make sure it's built after the pattern. That's your job. So he knew well because they had been taught what that pattern existed of. You'll find out two separate passages of scripture. You'll find the measurements of the ark is found in Exodus 25, 10. And the measurement of the ark was two and a half cubits long, to one and a half cubits wide and one and a half cubits tall. Two and a half cubits long. There you go. That's how big the ark was. Anybody surprised? 
one and a half cubits wide. There you go. One and a half cubits tall. Now the mercy seat set upon it and the mercy seat overlaid it. But that was the size of the ark. And I told you this morning, if you remember, the ark, the Levites carried the ark and it was a picture of the promise of God and the presence of God. But then he also gave them the measurements for the altar. The altar was five cubits. There you go. Five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three and a half cubits tall. You say, well, why would you bring that out? I'm so glad you're curious. If you do a study of the furniture of the tabernacle, you will find out that every piece of furniture in the tabernacle could fit inside the altar. The altar was bigger than the ark. You could set the ark of God down inside the altar. The altar had no steps on it because God didn't want man elevated at the altar. Everything was to set in size smaller than the altar. The altar was the biggest piece of furniture. And when you think about the altar, the altar is a picture of repentance and forgiveness. Nobody, nobody could have an ark bigger than their altar. I maybe better go over that again. Nobody has an ark bigger than your altar. The altar is always bigger than the ark. So what he's saying is it all starts with our repentance. And every day of our life, we can't stray from the fact that we must repent and we must seek God. And it all starts right there at the altar. That's why it was the first piece of furniture. That's why it was the biggest piece of furniture because God's concerned with the fact that we have repented of all of our wrongs and that we have claimed the power of the sacrifice on the altar and without the altar and without the sacrifice and without repentance. We don't have the promise of God. We don't have the power of God. We don't have the presence of God. He said before you enter in to the table of incense, he said you've got to get to the altar. And by the way, when you go in, you've got to have fire. But you're not going to have any fire if you don't have an altar. What he's saying is we need to measure up our life and say, God, how often am I talking to you? How often am I repenting my for you, God, how close am I to you? And when we get to the altar, praise God, that's where we'll find the fire. We'll never have fire without altar.
altars and you find a church that's not on fire, it's a church that don't use the altars. Measure me. Measure me. Measure me, Lord. Measure me. Show me. I want to see how big I am. I want to see it. I love you, sis. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, something happened in this place today. God's doing something. There's people right now that if you stop and look at yourself, you'll have to say with all honesty, I'm really not praying as much as I should be praying and I'm not seeking God as much as I should be seeking God and that's why I'm not experiencing the fire of God. And he said, you need to find you an altar to measure your life. It's at the altar we do business with God and we ask God, am I pleasing to you? Am I doing what you want me to do at the altar? Measure the altar. Here is our problem. It is a problem for me, and I think it's a problem for most people. How can we tell where we're at? if we don't have a John to measure us. Every one of us should find somebody, somebody that we will be accountable to and before we ever do anything, don't you ever move a thing, don't you ever change a thing an old preacher, I used to hear him say, before you ever move a fence, preachers, find out who put the fence there. Because he's trying to say, there's a reason why that fence is there. It's marking a boundary. It's measuring something. And what has happened now, we can't seem to find people that we can put our confidence in. That somehow... We can tell them, look me in my eyes and tell me, how am I doing? See, the new, the new thing is, here's the new thing. Oh, don't go to that church. They, they preach traditions. They just get on hobby horses. And they preach traditions. They stay on things. You ever heard that? I hear it all the time. What we need to do is we need to just quit taking all of these things. That we don't, really, there's no basis for it. Why, why do you do those things? Well, you really don't want an answer because you think if there's an easier way of getting the same results, you want to do the hard thing the easy way. But sometimes you need somebody to look at you and say, you're not doing too good. 
I'm not talking about singling you out in front of a crowd and embarrassing you. I'm talking about somebody that you look up to. One of the hardest things I have as I'm getting older is the preachers that I would talk to every week or every other week. And I would tell them certain things in my life and ministry. And I would say, what do you think of that? And they were kind enough to tell me the truth, even though sometimes it wasn't what I wanted to hear. They would tell me the truth in love because they were concerned about me measuring up to the things of God and being all that God wanted me to be. But today, people don't do that. You'd be amazed how many preachers that are out preaching that has never gone to an older preacher one time and asked them, what do you think about that? I'm gonna do this whether you think it's good or whether you think it's bad and they just go ahead and do it. But the truth of the matter is they wind up with problems. If you attend this church very long, you're gonna get hit with the fact that we do some things and you'll hear that other churches don't do. Well, I love everybody and I pray for every church but I'm not responsible for every other church. I'm responsible for this church. And let me show you something. This, this may blow your mind because the challenge will be, especially with young people, listen to what I'm doing. The challenge will be, you don't want to go to one of those churches that still has standards. That's man-made. That's traditions. Well, let me, let me do this. Turn to 2 Thessalonians. Turn to 2 Thessalonians. Let's go there. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And verse 15. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15. I'm not making something up to you. I want you to read it from the word of God. Therefore, brethren, what's the next two words? What's the next two words? I'm not going on until you tell me. What's the next two words? Stand fast. On what? And hold the traditions, the traditions which ye have been taught. Now, wait a minute. They say, yeah, but those traditions aren't in the word of God. But it says, whether by word or our epistle. You know what he's saying? Some traditions were passed on through teaching by mouth. Some were passed on from the word of God. Some were in epistles that were written. But he said, just because it's been passed on doesn't mean that you need to throw it away or forget about it or say, I don't need to size myself up to it. Well, what are you talking about? Let me give you a good example. Here in our church, we have Sunday school. Years ago, almost every church had Sunday school. They would have a time where they would teach and disciple and have Sunday school. Do you know you can't find Sunday school in the Bible? You can't find it, it's not there. But it's been a tradition. And by the way, I think it's a good tradition. 
This morning, the Spirit of God came. We didn't get to our classes, but that doesn't mean that we don't think it's important. We all need to learn from the Word of God and learn from others. I'm your pastor, and I said in a Sunday school class, because I think it's good to hear the teaching from the Word of God, and also it's good to look at some of the things that have happened. There have been a lot of things in this church that we didn't have a chapter and a verse when we did it, but we knew by the Spirit of God it was the right thing to do, and it was passed on to me, I passed it on to you, and I know there'll be a temptation just to do away with those things. You're not insulting me, you're not insulting our heritage, but what you are doing is saying, I have all the answers, and I don't need measure, and that spirit is the spirit that will destroy your life. Measure me. Measure me. You can't do that now. Why? Too weak. People's too weak. They get mad. They not only quit church, they quit God. Things that I preached 20 years ago that people would have shouted me down on in this church. Preach it now and people look to one another. You know why? You're too influenced from the public school system. And you're too influenced from society. And you're too influenced from working peers. And you're trying to say, so now it's at the point where it started with traditions and now the word of God is being challenged. And when you stand on the word of God, they try to make every issue a political issue. There's some things that's not political issues. It's just plain old right and wrong. It's sin or it's not sin. It's godliness or it's, it's ungodliness. It's not, are you in approval of it? Or we're gonna change it and God's gonna bless it. You can go ahead and change it, but you're not gonna have the power of God that'll rest on you. You've got to get right with God. You've got to live right with God. God says, I don't owe you anything, but I tell you what I'll do. Well, glory to God. You get right with me. You walk close to me and you get yourself measured up. And God said, I will pour out blessings on you, on your church. I will do exactly what I promised I would do from the word of God. Not anymore. Not anymore. People. People's too busy making fun of the old time way. Beverly Malone's here. Bev, I had the privilege of preaching a couple revivals with your dad. And uh, he was a unique man. I have never met a man like your daddy in all of my life. And uh, I, never, I never saw anything like him. Him and Delbert Evans was probably two of the most unique preachers that I'd ever dealt with. I'd go in to preach and I just thought that he'd preach the next night. He'd look on me and he'd say, ain't on me tonight. You know what that meant? I'm preaching. And you know what I'd say? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Respect him. You know what's sad, Beverly? People today make fun of your dad. And they make fun of my dad. There's some of you chuckle and laugh at these idiots. You heard me right. Idiots that have enough nerve to take clips of preachers preaching and getting in the spirit and then they send them out and make fun of them. You better watch that junk. God sent out two she bears to take care of those that made fun of the prophet of God. You better, I don't care. Look at me, look right here. I don't care how embarrassed you are when you bring big name people into this church and you'll say, look at him slobbering and spinning around and jumping up and down. (laughs) Isn't that funny? (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. I don't care what you think of me. The Lord's in heaven saying, go, 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 go. Go, go. Some of you, if you weren't so dignified and worried about your friends making fun of you, you'd get to the altar. Let the fire of God touch your life and set your soul on fire. You wouldn't worry about what others think or what they're going to say. You're going to say, Lord, measure me. Am I pleasing you, God? That's all that matters. Measure me. Measure me. Where were you a year ago spiritually? This tall? Maybe that tall? Maybe even that close to God? He is up, you know. And tonight, I'm still in by the skin of your teeth. Why do we want to live like that? I want all that God has for me. I do. I want all that God has for me. And I don't want to regard people to determine where I'm at with God. 